For children, it's milk powder, uh, and for uh, even adults are affected with uh, lack of milk powder, fuel, uh, so many things, uh, rice. Uh, everything has gone up. Prices have skyrocketed. So last thing, we have to go to the dye. The next month, you can see Sri Lankan people without food. Lot of people die. All right. So are we going to die? That's seems to be the question on everyone's mind these days. We're looking at how we keep ourselves from dying. This is this is a very dystopian episode. I mean, what happened? <laughs> it is. Well, I mean, over the past few weeks, we've taken you through how exactly we got to this pass. From the fertilizer ban to uh, the various, the history of the fertilizer subsidy itself, how different governments have intervened in agriculture over the years, and of course, as we said, the final nail in the coffin, which was the fertilizer ban. Today, we want to talk through some of the solutions to the crisis. How do we survive uh, the coming months and the years? And how do we get sort of agriculture back on track? We want to talk about what is now becoming evident, some of the knock-on effects of this disastrous policy. Uh, welcome to the doghouse. Welcome back to the doghouse, Yudanjay, as well. Uh, let's talk about the food security interventions that we potential solutions that we're looking at. To start with, I do want to say that there are no interventions. Uh, at least not that we know that can completely solve the issue or you know bring us back up to uh, previous yields or a previous status uh, in an instant because this is as much an economic crisis as it is an agricultural crisis hmm. um, in the previous agriculture post of course we pointed out that we import uh, so much of wheat uh, so much of milled rice and despite the general myth of Sri Lanka being an agricultural nation, in the reality is that at least since uh, 1960 on, uh, we have not really had uh, hmm. any kind of independence for our staple diet, right? So uh, some of the interventions that um, sort of we, we've sort of been discussing with various experts uh, trying to understand where the data is from we've been discussing it within the team trying to understand where data where data comes from and the overwhelming uh, response there there are two types of responses rather there is one type that goes oh Sri Lankans have forgotten the ways of our ancestors everyone should uh, grow their own stuff in their backyard to which I mean, yeah the Colombo municipal council's solution seems to be to grow on every yes. available plot of land to which i say you people are idiots hmm. because not everybody has a backyard and i'm not just talking about apartment dwellers uh, i'm i'm talking about people who literally don't have a backyard because if you're in in any kind of urban area yeah, in particularly in, in sri lanka land is expensive hmm. and um, we can't just take it for granted that people have uh, acres the just the majority of the urban poor don't have even a few square feet exactly to grow, exactly you know, we are talking potatoes. about populations that barely have enough to sleep on and you know, i mean i've been part of that population uh, 2004 to 10 were pretty hmm. hellish years for me 
We didn't have a backyard. We didn't even have space to sleep on. Uh, we didn't have space for a blanket and a, and a pillow. So we must abandon this idea that there are magically acres just lying around in everyone's backyard. May have been true in the uh, 1800s. Uh, certainly not true now. The other kind of solution is poor people are overwhelmingly affected by this problem and we need to get food to them. And uh, the United Nations, for example, agrees. They've mm. been uh, pointing and they've been asking. They've issued an open call for food aid and they pointed out that uh, many people in Sri Lanka who previously were eating two meals have mm. now had to go down to one meal. I don't know the origin of the data. Yeah. Uh, I'm generally skeptical about statistics put forth by many UN uh, agencies. Yes, because uh, I, I want to see what the sample space is like, right? But this is, this is the general shape of the problem. They're right on the general shape of the problem. Whether they're right exactly Whether right they're right on the specifics, we don't know. Whether... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. yeah. But, but it's on the same track, right? So, and this, this, um, this correlates with a lot of things that we've been hearing from experts, that the conversations we've been in. So, one of the first, uh, one of the most critical things, of course, is to sort out supply, mm. which is a gargantuan task. We may have to work with supermarkets, large mm. retailers, warehouses. We may have to move some of that private capital into the task of feeding a population as a public service. Mm. That is definitely a thing that is on the cards in, in conversations. I don't know whether people on the receiving end of that will be happy about it, but uh, the alternative is starvation. Yep. Then there is, of course, uh, the possibility of getting foreign aid for food uh, and thus importing food enough to keep this going. Now, supply layer stuff is very difficult and also very hard for us to talk about. So I just did the mic there. Very hard for us to talk about uh, because a lot of these things aren't real until they become real, if you know what I mean. Mm. People will talk, but ultimately until someone pledges and says, right, here's the first warehouse full of rice, it's, it doesn't exist. Now, and I think one of the things there is also what makes it really challenging, and I give, just to give some context to this, is the kind of the flow of information, the transparency around yes. this is you're getting contradicting messages. So just show it like Minister of Agriculture at the beginning of this month, uh, actually on the 29th of May, he says that no fertilizer has been brought yet for the Yalasis. Exactly. Now, uh, a week ago, he goes on to say that do not fear, no shortage of rice. Uh, Yala, we've cultivated up to 90%. And uh, this. Which is sort of countermanded by our experience. Which is countermanded right? by our experience, yeah. right? Because we've seen, in like a, many of the farmers that we spoke to, they had no plans to cultivate at all because it was just not feasible anymore for because them to cultivate the beyond what was needed yes, for themselves. And you need the results of one crop, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken, to seed the other crop. To seed the, the other one. crop. And this is where it gets like really. Uh, uh, we'll come to the knock-on effects of it, but first, on the supply-side hmm. challenges that you're so talking about. So, supply-side challenges are very much a thing. Then there's demand-side, which is, if you are launching these interventions, you now need to understand who needs them, because 
uh, whether we like it or not we are in a, a, situ uh, a situation of uh, scarcity of resources so i mean the the geeky way of describing this is to say this is a variant of the multi-arm bandit problem where you know you have n resources you have n plus one ways in which to distribute them you don't necessarily know which of these will work out so you really have to play smart so uh, on the demand side you need to know who the poor are and mm. where they live to efficiently <coughs> distribute to them this is of course a very how to put this uh, this is a very thorny problem now surveys like the household income and expenditure survey actually try to get at this mm. to try and understand what wealth is like in sri lanka who spends on what who makes how much uh, thing the hi's for example is extraordinarily detailed uh, and that's collected by the bureau of department, department of census statistics um however that functions at a district level so that's mm. 330 odd uh, dsds district divisions in sri lanka that's what it functions at you ideally need to understand at a gn level at the ground ground level that level that are 14022 gns in sri lanka and that's the granularity at which you need to target uh, because otherwise in a district division you have a huge distribution of hmm. people so you kind of need to understand where the poor are at a gn level and also where the rich are because to those latter areas you should be you can be going you take care of your neighbor Hmm. you have enough resources and we are seeing this in sort of the form of community kitchens, community kitchens that yeah. have explicitly gone there's a community there that needs our help we will support them those who have resources come support us yeah. and that's actually a, a model of citizen action and this kind of stuff is also is going to be needed to fill up what these other models can't so we've been looking at the data and uh, trying to understand where the data comes from So the first is of course to understand what a balanced meal or rather you know what a what with what essential a, nutrition what it looks like Yes what a practical diet looks like um and also to understand what a minimum diet looks like like what's the minimum amount of stuff you need to give to people hmm. um and what are their prices Uh, because market conditions are constantly changing that means supply and sourcing is changing so for that we are doing something inflation.watchdog.team we are tracking the prices of 150 items on a weekly basis uh, since 2018 and we are plotting them and saying here's how much your pulses cost today here's how much your spices cost here's how much your staples cost and you can look at that and go right here's the minimum viable meal that we can put together hmm. then and there's like this would be useful like when you're looking at applications for this how people can use this data especially if you're running a community kitchen it will help you to understand exactly. how exactly you need to be maybe putting your meals together exactly right. exactly like if you're a community kitchen or a government sponsored initiative the idea is that you have information at all times on what you can do with the money you have mm. which is an important thing to understand how to optimally use the resources how to, at your disposal right um then there's a rather interesting thing we looked at which is this school layer now schools in sri lanka are also logistical operations we don't normally think about them that way but we are facing an instance where we are you know children are going hungry hmm. 
and we cannot allow children to go hungry at least those are my personal morals and i think the morals of a lot of people as well hmm. so one of the things we want to we want really want to understand was is there a data source and a way of delivering this stuff without compromising on the privacy of minors because hmm. this is this is dangerous data right yeah. as a data scientist i would run way the hell away from data uh, on this stuff and then we realized well schools schools handle logistics hmm. uniforms books um, you know books even the free meals that they use right? even free meals that they used to have but typically schools have both the layer of distribution they have a have warehousing they also have very good bullshit detectors teachers hmm. right to understand the needs of people in the classroom of children in the classroom so if you are a government operation you don't really need to collect personally identifiable data all you need to do is ask the school how many children do you have enrolled and for each child you ship x amount of material at y interval directly to the school and say this amount for class 11b this amount for and they can go this amount for class 11a this this amount for class 6b now get that to the teacher and the teacher handles distribution they know the children in the classroom hmm. that children that way you're protecting the privacy of these yes, minors the data and you're also optimizing the exactly exactly and now you make sure that your children are fed and typically teachers also will know how large the family is they will hmm. know how many siblings a child has so if you want a layer of verifiability where you can understand how many families you need to keep alive how many families you need to feed here's a really good system it's a system that does handle logistics hmm. and there are people in that system who know how to make sure that every child gets a uniform if they get as many books as possible and all of this stuff happens the second the uh, another is midwives Hmm. because another the family question, health infrastructure yes, uh, another question that comes up constantly is uh, you know typically the three classes are children pregnant women and older citizens as for pregnant women in sri lanka when you are pregnant you have to register at a midwife um so midwives know you know how many women are about to give birth and also how many have hmm. uh, given birth have recently given birth and again you shouldn't be collecting that you don't need to collect that data all you need is to ask how many hmm fine this many now distribute because hmm. chances are extremely high given that nobody really wants to be driving 200 kilometers when they're pregnant chances are extremely high that uh, people have registered at the closest locally available hmm. midwife and thus the distance is short the last mile of the logistics layer is short and you can actually get those get that nutrition out because there's a personal connection there you don't have to extract data um another that we looked at was electricity data hmm. now cb of course is uh, practically a monopoly there's leco but leco is is a handful of apps yeah. right uh, cb supplies electricity to most people in the country Well, they have your address they have your id and um, they have an account they have the all important account id and they have your address and so, they know which tariff band people follow yes so this is where data analysis has to come into the picture uh, where you look at people's electricity bills and go show us all the bills like bills that are you know 10000 15000 20000 doesn't really matter because 
those people have electrical appliances uh, mm. more than just a fridge and uh, three bulbs and a and a TV mm. they, they have plenty of electrical appliances they were running ACs and so on fine you know what they don't really need help they can afford ACs they can afford a 20000 light bill they can afford food but you look at the lower band mm. of people who have 300 and 400 rupee electricity bills that's people with two light bulbs a TV one electric kettle mm. maybe a f- small fridge you supply to that band because mm. now you have the addresses and you can actually use the post office system again because we're thinking logistics layers the post office system is a really good logistics layer you can actually deliver through that so th- this is a this is a potential idea um there are there are a bunch of other ideas that we've looked at but of those these seem the most workable workable there's also the samurdhi system and local cooperatives yeah which has already been robustly criticized mm. um, pointing out that they don't actually cover enough and that um, of course there's a huge amount of corruption that goes on in that system it, it's um, it's difficult to disentangle it's sometimes difficult to handle logistics there again none of these just for our listeners the reason that we're sort of talking about this because one of the problems that we see with uh, this thing like right now with this crisis surviving this crisis that's basically what we're talking about today surviving this crisis requires people working the multiple different stakeholders working on this from the government yes. to stakeholders to to the scientists to yes. everyone that's like this thing to be mission oriented yes and i want to say all of these are more useful than telling people to grow stuff in their backyards exactly because you're talking the growing of rice and the growing of wheat and potatoes and staple crops these are not things that you can do in a balcony these mm. are not things that you can do in a perch these are not things that you can do with 1 inch of land you can grow some chili peppers mm. but let's let's be real right let's you can't you, you're not going to survive the crisis you're not going to feed your own family you're not going to feed yourself let alone uh, you know magically become self sustainable this is this is all bullshit thinking all of these methods that i've explained and there are others that are more privacy infringing and more data oriented but ultimately these are interventions these are methods of understanding demand so mm. that the supply chain can engage so we need we need both of these systems we need to understand demand you need to understand where stuff has to go to and the needs of people then you need to sort out supply whether it's community kitchens government intervention literal imports in food aid coming from india from coming from tamil nadu you need these yeah. layers to engage We're and basically issue. operating on care packages courtesy uh, of mk <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> care packages from rupee 15000 metric ton care package care packages from basis. our friends in south india is 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 what we are using on right yeah. now so and we're deeply appreciative of those care packages absolutely yeah. so we need to ship this stuff across we need to understand demand we need to understand supply and it's common for many of these interventions many of these conversations to go okay let's use the military to ship supplies you don't need to there are existing the reason i brought up many of these is you notice there's a logistics component to it and i'm pointing out that there are existing logistics networks hmm. there are schools there's a department of health you know department of education department of health post office all of which have extensive logistics networks which don't 
need to rely on men with guns showing it up at their doorstop even if it is with the milk packet yeah uh, let's not we've done enough uh, keep you know using the military for that yeah you've got so many underutilized uh, workers in your post offices and in your gramadari and in uh, as your midwives who are perfectly capable as well exactly. of doing this job who are, who are also more capable who also have that personal relationship with yeah. the person on the receiving end which is important which is important who also have an understanding of their needs mm. which uh, a random 20 year old who's just gone through boot camp and come out with a T56 won't have mm. so there are ways of doing this so what the government needs to think about is how are we going to sort out supply mm. demand we can map i think from watchdog also we we there's a bunch of stuff we haven't talked about here that we are going to be doing a bunch of things in the pipeline yes we will we'll talk about it as and when things are ready um, but this is where the government really has to think how the hell do we sort out supply and you're not going to be doing it by basically lying to yourself so this goes back to what i was saying about what the minister of agriculture the contradicting statements that is given in the space of a couple of weeks on the one hand he's saying oh, we haven't got the fertilizer yet to give farmers for the other season on the other hand he's saying oh we've got 90% of uh, the extent of land that we usually cultivate for the other season is being cultivated the now this yes. is actually potentially a misleading if not blatantly no, false no it's blatantly claim. misleading because blatantly misleading because not only did uh, farmers that we spoke to on our trip around the around the country through the agriculture bill not only did they sort of articulate that they're not looking forward to cultivating this yellow season because it's just not feasible not sustainable anymore uh one of the country's leading sort of naturalists uh, uh Mr. Rohan Petiagode recently pointed out that you know we usually cultivate about 500,000 plus hectares for the yellow season and the data that he has right now is showing that it's at about 100,000 hmm. that's not 90% let's have a quick listen to what and even in even in that even if we cultivate that we are still looking at lower yields lower scenario. yields because of the lack of fertilizer so a quick listen to what miss petio would have said in this current yellow harvest according to the un out of the normal 500,000 hectares that is farmed for rice we are down to 125 it has fallen by 75% that's that has put hundreds of thousands of farmers out of employment out of income and th- there's no money for them to buy their children any food we we've, we've got a huge tragedy unfolding in sri lanka and we really need to pay attention to this this is not a problem of petrol queues petrol queues is is a is a thin edge of the wedge we we've, we've got a massive problem in rural sri lanka that we are just completely ignoring except for a very few people in politics <coughs> welcome back so as you can see when we left off we were talking about what the government needs to do right handle the supply chain ensure that these the, things the get the first there. thing that the government needs to do is acknowledge reality hmm. because the problem with a lot of these politicians are they're not optimizing for solving the problem they're optimizing for looking good hmm. that's why they're saying oh don't worry agriculture fine we all sort of and the next week fine. they're saying yeah. Oh, yeah and the next week they're saying hey we didn't get enough fertilizer no no acknowledge thing that things are fundamentally fucked up hmm. acknowledge that serious efforts need to be made starting now 
to prevent hundreds of thousands, millions of people from going into starvation, hundreds of thousands of people going into serious star uh, starvation, and subsection, you know, subsections of that potentially from dying. Hmm. Right. And the start those conversations to get working with yes. sections of the citizenry that can actually help you. Yes. The first thing you've got to understand is that we are in a fix hmm. and we need to start talking solutions. We need to start mapping demand. We need to start sorting out supply. Hmm. Some of that involves, potentially involves government being involved in demand analysis. Some of that involves ministers going down on their hands and knees and begging, uh, I, don't, I don't care, begging everybody in the world for food. Hmm. This needs to happen. Um, and the first part of this is acknowledging that this needs to happen because hmm. when people start dying, if someone gets up on stage there and starts saying, oh, surprise Pikachu face, I will throw this fucking mic at them. <laughs> and we need to be preparing for the knock-on effects of uh, this ridiculously disastrous policy, right? Because uh, when we were sort of putting this together, when we are doing the research into it, whenever you think that you've got a handle or you now know, okay, this is the scope of it, this is the extent of it, and you realize that there are more dominoes freaking Yes, because agriculture, like the economy, is a very complex system. Yeah. So if you ban fertilizer, you reduce yield next year. You reduce yield next year. You, have you reduce seed, seed for crop next for next season. Yeah. You reduce seed crop for next season. Now, even with fertilizer, you ha you're running you're on still running on a low yield. Yes, you're running on low <coughs> yield, and, and this, this is actually just keeps going. This was actually pointed out recently by Professor Anru Kumar from uh, No Relation Not, to Anru Kumar. Kumar Anaga, Anaga. <laughs> Professor Anru Kumar. Professor Anru Kumar from the Rune University. And uh, he pointed out something that not a lot of people are actually talking about. I feel like every time we do an episode of the podcast, we come up with something that not a lot of people are talking about. And he's like, look, this is not going to stop with this Yala season. Because this Yala season provides the seeds for the next Maha season. Uh -huh. So if now, as for, for those Goda also who are pointed wondering out. what we're talking about, Sri Lanka's agriculture works in two seasons. Yeah. That is the Yala season and the Maha season. Yeah. And typically what happens is seed crops, like when you grow the crop from one season, you use seeds um, as the base stock for the next season. The next season. So and what we're seeing now is, what at least what Professor Anrukumara has pointed out, is that, look, what's happening now with the Yala season is disaster because we've cultivated a lot less uh, we're going to get a lot less anyway because we haven't got the fertilizer and the Minister of Agriculture has also admitted that we haven't gotten enough down which means that there's going to be a lot less seeds available for the 23, the 22-23 Maha season which is the major season, right? That's why it's called the Maha season. It's where the bulk of our sort hmm. of harvest comes from and like reserve stocks and all are built up using that. And that will then sort of just keep going on if the government doesn't mobilize right now to look at to handle basically what you're talking about to handle these supply chain problems this is a downward spiral the dominoes haven't stopped falling yes. the dominoes are still toppling and even 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 i having been sort of ingrained in this research for the past couple of months realizing that um, identifying new dominoes almost on a weekly basis. This is why like in, in sort of watchdog group chat conversations we are like 
how long might this last and my estimate has also been always been optimistically five years of shit mm. five years of austerity and really hard uh, bargaining that's my optimistic assessment um, the pessimistic assessment is Lebanon yeah uh, which everybody in Sri Lanka particularly in policy making circles seem to be very carefully avoiding mention of Lebanon Mm. But um, you know, this is what happens when you ignore reality. Yeah, and uh, this is what happens when you put quackery over actual science, actual real exactly. data. Quackery, PR, and, quackery and, and PR. feel-good bullshit uh, for the conservatives and for people who want to feel like, oh my God. In the 11th century, we were kings, we were agricultural, whatever bullshit. Listen, it's the 21st century. Pack yeah. your shit up and go home. So going back to where we started this program, let's uh, let's we circle back and wrap it up, tie it up nicely with a bow. Um, are we going to die? Well, that's entirely up to how we approach this problem. If we continue to approach it with the oh, grow stuff in your backyards kind of approach, that's not going to work. We will die. Uh, if we, as we mentioned, look at the data, do the mapping of the demand, look at, mobilize the logistics networks that already, that you already have, whether it's through the education sector, the Gramaniladaris, midwives, multiple uh, sort of platforms there, and then mobilize your supply chain as well. Handle, if the government is able to handle these things, then we have a chance of surviving this food crisis. And that's the dystopian episode 13 and on that of the doghouse. <laughs> dystopian episode 13. I think it just lined up perfectly. Episode you know, number 13 someday is dystopia. I want to say something nice. Someday. Yeah, someday. Someday. Like. I feel like maybe in five years. We'll see you in if five we, years. If we're still so, going um, in five years, maybe in five years. Yes, like, subscribe, please share the podcast. Yeah. Uh, a lot of you have reached out and said, hey, this is a fantastic podcast. Uh, you know, it's informative, uh, etc. Um, please share it because we are a very small team mm. and we're kind of stretched thin right now, you know, doing the whole let's create good content thing um, and sharing it out. We are sometimes suboptimal in, in sharing this Definitely. stuff. I'd really appreciate it if you could send this to whoever you thought would want to listen, whether yeah. it's friends on WhatsApp or you're following on Twitter or Facebook. Um, please share um, and we will keep giving you good information. Yeah. Uh, as long as we can. As long as we can. Uh, don't forget to obviously look us up on our socials at Team Watchdog on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and TikTok as well. And as Yuda mentioned, don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Google Podcasts, and also Spotify. Until next time, goodbye and good luck. Oh. Oh, 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 oh.